Welcome to the Straight from the Crest podcast. From the Crest podcast, I am your host, Michael David Crestwich. Very special episode here. As you can tell, first time in video, I'm joined by Garrett Bastardi, great friend, college football guru. And Garrett, it's great to great to see your face here. I got to see it in person last week for the first time in a while, but now this it's more, it means more. It's like SEC football to be able to talk to you right now um, and let the world know kind of who we are, what we look like. Uh, but uh, how was your your time back in Happy Valley before we jump into the episode? Uh, it was good. It was it was fun. Um, good to go to a game. We'll be back up at a more probably more consequential game in a few weeks uh, when when Penn State plays uh, Minnesota, which is shaping up to be a bigger and bigger matchup every week that goes by. Um, but yeah, it was great great to be at a uh, at a Penn game Penn State game first time as alumni. So uh, so we had That's that big. going for us. That's big, and of course Penn State. Uh, storms through Central Michigan, and speaking of a storm, mm-hmm. uh, Hurricane Ian's approaching. What uh, what repercussions is that going to have on Saturday's kick against uh, Penn State? And I'm sorry, Penn State and uh, uh, Northwestern. Northwestern, yeah, yeah, they're a forgettable team right now. They've lost three in a row. So, um, yeah, it it looks like there could be some rain uh, Saturday. Uh, not like obviously not anything close to what they're getting. Uh, down in the southeast, but obviously there's been a lot of games that have been shifted, either moved up to Thursday or moved back to Sunday. Um, and so I know Florida State, I know the University of Florida, um, a couple of teams in South Carolina, um, you know, had to shift games around. And, you know, this storm is going to go, you know, through Florida. It's really bad. Then it's going to actually hit the Carolinas and come north. So um, teams in the mid-Atlantic, northeast, uh, Penn State's going to have to, you know, see if they can play a game in some bad weather. Um, they've had some good weather so far this year. So, um, you know, something to keep in mind. Not like a total washout, but uh, not anticipating a full full packed stadium probably for a for kind of a, a sleepy Big Ten game. And with some rain uh, in the forecast, uh, you know, probably Penn State's going to have to create their own energy if they're going to, uh, you know, walk through this game with a win. Absolutely. And, um we're going to talk about the Central Michigan win, the 33-14 victory, preview Northwestern, uh, more of a Northwestern preview and a t- a, some takeaways from Central Michigan. Uh, but as always, guys, we are brought to you by Protocol Beverage. Protocol Beverage is pioneering spiked protein beverages born from just a few dudes in Erie, PA, who wondered why doesn't spiked protein exist? They've changed that. Invention isn't for the faint of heart. Pineapple Pump, Swirlberry, and Orange County were their first flavors available. They have many more now. 16-ounce, 8 print. 8% ABV, 11 grams protein per serving, uncarbonated, easy to consume. They're great. Like I said, go get them in Pittsburgh. I know they're in State College. They're obviously in Erie. Uh, you guys got to try that. Garrett, have you tried one yet? I haven't yet, but I'm looking forward to get, getting my hands on one here. Next, next time I'm up, we'll, uh, yeah, we got to do that. Yeah, I'll give you a care package. Uh, but let's cool. let's talk about that game. Um, we were both there, 33-14. Penn State forces four turnovers. Katron Allen, 100 yards on the ground. Sean Clifford, four total touchdowns. Parker Washington, big game. Brenton Strange, big game. Uh, they won the turnover battle. Uh, the only thing that really jumps out from the box score uh, from a numbers perspective is 363 yards allowed um, by the Chippewas as well as they had a receiver go over 100 yards, which is kind of concerning. Uh, but that kid's a stud um, in Carlos Carrier. But um, your major takeaways from Penn State's win to move them to 4 now. Yeah, uh, probably the two biggest takeaways for me is uh, – the, the offensive line, um, 
we probably, I mean, I, I, I had a little bit of an overreaction, I guess, after what, what we did at Auburn, um, really thought this was going to be a building block game, um, the Auburn game, and was really kind of disappointed um, at, you know, what the offensive line was able to do against Central Michigan. Hopefully it was just maybe just a minor step back and we're going to continue to build uh, as the weeks go on. Um, but uh, once again, that's a, that's a problem. Um, you know, Penn State really struggles to find consistency moving the ball if the offensive line really isn't uh, asserting their will. So, I mean, I look at this box score, I, I look at 403 yards for Penn State, 363 yards for Central Michigan, um, 21 first downs for Penn State, 20 for Central Michigan, time of possession, both e even at about 30 minutes each. Um, the difference is Central Michigan, four turnovers. And Auburn had four turnovers the week before. Yes, that's a hallmark of a Manny Diaz defense, but you cannot rely on teams to turn the ball over four times. If Central Michigan doesn't turn the ball over, um, it's this is even if they only turned it over two times, this is a very uncomfortable game. I was uncomfortable when this game was tied uh, with, was 14, a, with two minutes, 14, two minutes and a half. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I mean, I told you, um, you know, I thought Cliff was going to have a really, really big game, and he started off eight for eight two touchdowns, 115 yards. Um, I was a little perplexed uh, why they didn't – Central Michigan has a decent front, why they didn't just say, okay, you know what, this is what – we're going to take what we can get this game. Cliff's going to go 35 for 50 for 450 yards and five touchdowns. Um, they wanted to run the ball, I get it. Um, but the offensive line really just threw a, threw a, a big wrench into everything. Um, and so they were – Penn State was – this game was equally physical on both ends of the ball um, for both when I'm talking about that with Penn State and Central Michigan. So that's a little bit of a concern as we head into Big Ten play. Central Michigan's tough, and we talked about that before. Um, they're a better mm -hmm. team than Ohio, I thought, and that was clear mm -hmm. from the beginning. Uh, but they're, they're a scrappy team, and uh, Penn State did what they had to do to win the game. Um, let's talk about the offense specifically. You mentioned Sean Clifford. Uh, it was – it's kind of funny, uh, the the running back trio this year, uh, it's been the Nick Singleton show, but this this week it was the Catron Allen show, and I think that's great that we have the ability to have three guys that can really just burst onto the scene, light up defenses. He impressed me, but Brenton Strange, two touchdowns. Brenton Strange is kind of like everyone's afraid to compare um, Nick Singleton to Saquon Barkley. I'll say right now, I think... I think Brenton Strange is better than Pat Fryermuth and Mike Gesicki. I think the playmaking ability, I think Gesicki has him beat, but Strange blocks better than um, Gesicki, and Both I think he's a better playmaker than Muth. Yeah, and like I, I don't think it's crazy to to say he'll be one of the guys lighting it up on Sundays because uh, before this year, Gesicki was, I mean, he's still having a decent year, but he's, he's a playmaker. He's, I mean, he's like a kind of the same build as Strange, not necessarily the prototypical tight end, but uh, he can make plays. But every week it seems that like, we don't overshadow, or uh, I'm sorry, Strange isn't overshadowed. It's just so much talent, and the the storylines just they kind of get overlooked. And um, but he's just he's a solid playmaker, and it was kind of the uh, Parker Washington show, six catches, 54 yards for him. Uh, but it it's nice to have a plethora of playmakers in this offense. Um, do you think this offense, in terms of being listed on paper, do you think it matches up with Ohio State? With the Ohio State's in the country, do you think outside of the quarterback position, do you think it's up there? Um, I, I think that from a skill position standpoint, uh, I think the talent 
the talent gap is closing. Uh, Ohio State is just a—I mean—they're a different machine when it comes to I'm offense. Um, really just sitting on their yeah, bench. Yeah, you have in Jigba. He's not even playing. Um, you have the freshman for out from Washington. Um, the the, the five star in there uh, has a name that's difficult for me to pronounce, so I'm not going to say it. But uh, the new five star freshman, Ohio State, he was the one that stepped up this past weekend against Wisconsin. Um, they're a different animal. Uh, I will say I do think the one the one team with the secondary in the uh, in the Big Ten to maybe match up with with them would be Penn State's. But from a from a um, you know from a you know matching you know apples to apples, I guess I would say that the, the talent gap is closing a bit. Uh, C.J. Stroud is obviously a, a Heisman contender for Ohio State, um, but. If Penn, I, I keep going back to, you know, Penn State looked, you know, so workmanlike against Auburn when you have physicality up front. And that's the difference between the great teams and the good teams. You know, Ohio State last year was the one year they really didn't look that great because they didn't have physicality up front. Um, they've made it a point that this year that they're going to do that. The Georgias, the Alabamas, they can step up and say, hey, it's third and four. Everybody in the world knows we're going to run it on an obvious running down. We're going to run it anyway for seven yards. Penn State, in order to make that leap, um, you know, it needs to be able to do that. It looked like, wow, they did that against Auburn. This is a big step. Um, they took a step back this past weekend, but, you know, not going to put all the, you know, eggs in one basket that, yeah, look at Auburn. They're the greatest offensive line ever. Look at Central Michigan. You know, they're not that great. They're probably somewhere in between right now. Um, but to answer your question, I don't think we're at Ohio State's level yet. I think there's a lot to, a lot to go. They're, they're a machine. Um, and, and it's just like you said, both both sides of the ball. It, Penn State really pivoted the way – I don't want to say pivoted the way they recruited, but they went after athletes. They they were able to bring in these highly talented guys that are really can transform a program. Obviously, starting off with Joey Porter Jr. right now, who leads the country in past breakups. Uh, in their entire secondary, the, the three, they have three of their guys. Keaton Ellis is like 12th right now in past breakups throughout the country. I mean, that kid's growth is insane when he stepped on campus a few yeah. years ago to where he's at now. But it's just mm -hmm. – um, and, it, and it's talking to the guys in the program. And the thing – and it's the, – the national news is the way that Penn State staff been able to develop these guys. It's the the combination of bringing in talented guys with crazy-ass work ethics and bringing in guys and just developing – seeing what they have, their potential, developing them, and the coalition of both of them coming together. Um, and obviously way more talent on Penn State sideline than Central Michigan's, and that was apparent. Uh, but 33-14, 4-0. One thing that um, Coach Franklin said after the game, uh, quote, in terms of the critical areas, and this is like what me and you just said, I wouldn't say it felt like this, but we won all of them, and they did. Uh, they mm -hmm. they played a ton of guys. I think it was 59 they ended up playing, which is absurd. I saw that Liam Clifford was in on like the second series, and I, I was – I was wondering what the a little head scratcher there, but um, they took care of the ball and they won. The most important thing, yeah. right there, like you said, win the turnover battles, keep everyone healthy. Yeah, and and we've seen a lot of teams so far early in this season lose games um, like this. So you know, for Penn State to go out and win, um, you know, by three touchdowns, you know, had the backups in kind of early, and I I I, under, I completely understand. And Coach Franklin spoke extensively about that, you know, after the game and then in the weekly press conference earlier this week, uh, they're trying to build depth. And so, yeah, it, it was, it looked to me, the game was actually fairly similar to Ohio where, um, you know, from the, you know, seven minute mark in the first quarter on where it was just kind of a, 
a gradual buildup. Um, we did get off to the quicker start we talked about last week. That certainly happened. Um, and then things just kind of went a little, a little haywire. But, but yeah, I mean, a lot of teams have been losing these type of games early in this season. So to go out and be a, wow, we didn't look very good and won by 19. Um, you know, I think that's encouraging. You have to, you have to go and win these games. Um, and the same thing is going to happen, happen this weekend. You got, you have to, yeah, you're a 25 point favorite, 26 point favorite. You got to go out and win by three touchdowns. Yeah. I, I think central Michigan's offense is going to score. I don't think Northwestern scores 14 points before we get into, to that mm-hmm. preview, but, um, Penn state moves up to 11 in the AP pool. Um, they're going to host their first big 10 game of the year against a, a weird Northwestern team because we saw them go to Ireland and beat what we thought was a good Nebraska team. And then they imploded, mm-hmm. obviously Scott Frost, not there anymore, but fat or yeah, fat Fitzgerald, Pat Fitzgerald, um, <laughs> 17th year there, which is absurd. Um, mm-hmm. But they they've lost to Duke, Southern Illinois, and um, Miami, Ohio, and they they're just not a plain and simple, not a great football team. But they're scrappy. Uh, like I said, it's a three thirty kick. Um, and just before we, we really dive into the uh, the the X's and O's of Northwestern, what's the one thing I know we talk about this every week? We, we talked about it two weeks ago. We need a convincing win over. Um, I'm sorry, Ohio. And last week we mm-hmm. said we need to fix up to and everything. Heading into this Northwestern game, you kind of previewed at the beginning of the show, Garrett, when you said the weather. Uh, maybe it's going to be a scrappy. Maybe it's going to be like a 24-3 win. Uh, punt, 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 Big Ten game. Sunday mm-hmm. morning when you wake up and you know Penn State did this thing, it's going to give you that more much confidence heading into the bye week before the gauntlet of the schedule. Uh, yeah, that's a, well, you know, a pad, we call it like a padlock stat or our friend, Josh Pate talks yeah. about this all the time in padlock stat for me, 200 yards on the ground, uh, Penn State gets 200 yards on the ground. Um, however they do it, whether it's through a combination of cliff and, uh, Katron Allen and Singleton and, and Kevon Lee, if he's back and healthy, uh, then I, I think that things will have gone pretty well. Uh, would also like to see Cliff have more touchdowns than turnovers right now. And, and that's how it's been so far this year. So let's keep that going. Um, and so, but, you know, the story is going to be the same to me. That the, the thing that's going to make or break this team, whether they can go 11-1 and one or whether they're going to go 9-3, and three, is the physicality up front on, on offense. So it sounds like a broken record. That's what I'm looking for. I want to see this team take – games over a little bit more um in the in the running department and if you can do that then i'll wake up sunday and you know if it's a 28 to 3 game but you know penn state ran the ball for 275 yards and had two guys over 100 yards um that would be a very very promising performance against a a northwestern team that keep in mind the last time they won the big 10 west um they were 0 and 3 in non-conference play right and 7 and 2 in conference play this isn't the first time that, and they're one and zero right now in conference play. Um, they're leading the West Division with a couple other teams with three out of conference losses. So um, now it's a little inexplicable if you ask me that they lose to Southern Illinois, um, which is an FCS team, not good. It's not like playing North Dakota State or or a South Dakota State. They're not good, um, and losing to a Miami of Ohio uh, that's that's difficult to justify as well. So. Um, but yeah, so that physicality again is, is going to be my, my message until we see consistency on that end. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think you you have to take 
take into consideration that these games, like uh, a Pat Fitzgerald team, they're, it's not going to be I, – I don't want to say – that Penn State's going to storm. It, it's not going to be close. I think Penn State handled it, but they're scrappy. They're going to they're gonna fight. Obviously, if you know who Pat Fitzgerald was as a player, who he mm-hmm. is as a coach, his philosophy, that's what he does. And uh, sorry, I just figured out this camera thing. Um, so just a, a quick personnel flyover. It starts with their quarterback with Ryan Holinsky, who actually has thrown for nearly almost 400 more yards than Sean Clifford, which, but I don't, you don't grade a quarterback based on how many yards he throws, obviously. But that's something to keep in mind. Five to three uh, touchdown interception ratio. Uh, Evan Hull's their running back, and he kind of does it all for them. Uh, he's their leading rusher, receiver. Uh, he's kind of a, a nice scat back out of the backfield. Three hundred and seventy yards on the ground. Uh, some touch, uh, three touchdowns, and then um, Cam Porter's their other guy. Outside of those two, no one else has over ten yards rushing. So it's really just those those two guys in the backfield. And like Penn State, I think has five guys uh, with a significant amount of carries. And um, like I said, their uh, receiving outlook, Hull is their leader in receptions and yards, which if your passing attack is predicated on your running game or running back, you don't have a passing attack. It's the, the McCaffrey theory that you, you can't be uh, – you can't lean on your, your running back to be your guy there. But they do have a pair of two talented receivers in Malik Washington who has 300 yards and a touchdown. And then the Illinois transfer, which I don't know what it is with these – Big Ten transfer portals, but it seems like every team Penn State's played this year, it's had like uh, the Purdue game. They had the interior lineman from Penn State who played for them. Uh, but Danny Navarro has uh, 107 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, their defense has four interceptions in three games, just like Penn State. Uh, but it's it's weird because uh, there's kind of an asterisk there. Xander Mueller, their inside linebacker, uh, leads the team with two of them, which is kind of the most mm-hmm. Northwestern thing ever. Yes. And uh, they, Bring back five on their defense. Actually, nine starters on their offense are back. Um, and like you said, I haven't – do you have where the number's at now in terms of the spread? Do you have that pulled up by chance? Yeah, it looks – It's right now it's 26-and-a-half. Okay, and how about over-under? Uh, the over-under is 52. Okay. So um, there it is. Just a couple quick notes. Uh, Northwestern's five and fourteen since 2003 against Penn State, but um, five and six against the spread with a few pushes. Uh, in the last 10 years as a dog, Northwestern's actually 21 and t- 12 on the road as a dog. So just before you lay any any money out there and always always bet responsibly, of course, if you're looking for a side there, um, we got to start holding each other accountable. Um, that's probably my job. I should keep keep track of the first touchdowns, the over-unders, because we gave out a few last time and I, I didn't go back and write that down, but... We're gonna track it now. Um, so before I did not hit the over, did not hit the over last no, week. So. Yeah, it's and uh, yeah, Penn State obviously under in the the way hit um, there. The almost the over was sneaky there. I thought it t- it would turn into a scoring fest uh, late, but like you said, mm-hmm. uh, but Tinsley first touchdown. I, who did you say for the first touchdown last week? Um. Oh gosh, I mean, I don't even remember. Maybe, maybe Parker Washington. I'm okay. fairly certain I said Parker Washington. So before we uh, we dive into predictions, let's do some do some props here. Uh, who's okay. scoring the first touchdown um, besides Nick Singleton? Um, probably Tinsley. I'll go with Tinsley. All right. Yep. I'm gonna say Bretton Strange. That's I, that's probably the the favorite there. I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Uh, let's play over-under game. Uh, we said last week, big game out of Sean Clifford. I think he ended up only throwing for two, little over 200 yards, of course. Um, mm-hmm. with, knowing the weather, over-under 230 yards passing Sean Clifford. Yeah, I like under. I think okay. I think they're going to really try to establish the run. Um, and so I, I, I'm going to like the under here. And uh, I think it'll be a workman. Like, I think it'll just be under because they're not going to throw a ton. Yeah. I think it could be a 15 for 22 type of type of ball game for him. Um, but we'll, we'll see. It could be way off. If they can't run the ball early, if they notice that, you know, Northwestern are going to stack the box and force them to throw, that could be way off. So, um, uh, this so don't, or that. don't, don't, don't put the house on, on what I'm saying there. It's a, it's a not confident under, uh, more, more Northwestern punts or Penn state, uh, pass breakups. Hmm. Uh, sorry. No, 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 no. Let me redo that more, more Northwestern punts that were touchdowns. Okay. I'm going to say, I'm going to say punts. Yeah, I'm gonna definitely to say puns. If gosh, if they if we're in real trouble if they uh if they score more touchdowns than they punt the ball. Yeah, that was a that was an easy question there. But uh there we go. What uh what do you have what do you have score wise? What what are you feeling for this game? <clears throat> um little leery, uh especially after last week. Um it's a bit of a look ahead game. It just getting a win would be great, getting to the bye week and then knowing um, that the gauntlet comes up the next three weeks with Michigan, um, Minnesota, and Ohio State. Um, Northwestern's going to move the ball. Uh, you know, looking at Penn State's pass defense, yes, they're opportunistic. They have a lot of talent. Teams are throwing the ball a ton on them. They're still giving up a lot of big plays and 275 yards through the air game. That's a lot. That's good for 91st um, in passing yard defense, um, which is not a great number. And Northwestern can throw the ball around a little bit. Uh, which is surprising and it's not typically how they do things um and so i i i think it's going to be similar to last week's game uh, against central michigan um i i think penn state will um i do not think they'll cover i think they'll win in a way that is it's sort of you don't feel super great about it two and a half quarters in and then it starts to pull away a little bit um assuming they win the turnover battle again. So something like 31-14, something like that. Northwestern will move the ball. Um, You can't just pick a – you can't just say 31-17 or 31-14. Remember, we're holding one another accountable. Oh, okay, accountability. Okay, we'll go 31-17. You sure? Yeah, 100%. Okay. Closer than the experts think. I like the – the same thought as you it feels like the same game um so is is uh is hurricane ian gonna get to state college or what's what's going on with that yeah i mean i think it's you're not gonna see any like you're not gonna get any wind by that point but you're you're looking at the potential for you know low clouds some periods of 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 rain sometimes have your ball be a little slippery um, I don't think we're going to see something crazy like inches of rain during the game. So it's just going to be kind of a dreary day. Um, one of those days that we're, you know, 
you get up in the morning, it's it's just kind of low clouds. And as the day goes on, there's kind of, you know, a little bit more rainfall. Nothing, I mean, nothing totally crazy, um, you know, that that we're not used to for central Pennsylvania first weekend in October. I think temperatures will be mid to upper 50s. Um, ball will be a little slippery. And um, it's the biggest thing is the first time Penn State's played in any sort of weather all year. And so that, that's where I think uh, there could be some factor. Um, but we're not looking at, you know, a deluge where, you know, there's sliding all over the field and there's mud and none of the students are there because it's raining too hard. It's it's I don't think it's going to be anything like that. Gotcha. And uh, obviously, if if you guys don't know who Garrett is, he's very, very. Um, what's the word? He I'm not just asking him about the weather, just ask about the weather. He He knows his stuff and he's very. Uh, very educated on the subject um, and a great Twitter follow for that. I try to understand all the, the Dopplers mm -hmm. and the, the uh, S, stuff plus you S plus. That's, that's the only thing that I know. I understand that <laughs> I'm learning, uh, but yeah, that's, absolutely. that's scary. But I have, you have 31, 17, I have 28, 10 around there. Um, and let's, uh, let's bring back a, uh, a fun segment that we haven't done yet this year that um was fun to do last year where we talk about mm -hmm. our, our favorite alum from uh the team penn state plays and this week it's northwestern uh obviously a ton of notable people um mm -hmm. since i went first the last game last year completely making that up uh you can you can go <laughs> ahead we'll do three we'll snake it um and this does obviously okay. it's last year i think we we started off by doing like our favorite and then it turned into the funniest and the most absurd ones so yeah. uh that being said i'll let you pick here okay um i'm gonna go as a you know it's a big uh game of thrones fan i'm gonna go george R. R. martin as my first pick okay the author of of that universe and hoping he finishes the last book here so I can get the taste of the last season of Game of Thrones out of my mouth. But but George R. R. Martin is gonna be my first pick here. First one off the board. How about Robert Todd Lincoln? Uh he was the eldest son of Abe Lincoln. Uh wow. One of only one of their four only one of four sons to live to adulthood. So he's my number one pick for sure. Okay. There we go. Um it's a snake draft. No, you can go ahead. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go J David Schwimmer, Ross okay. from from yeah, Friends. Um, yeah, he's he's probably my him and Joey. It's close. I said he's my favorite characters in that show. But I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go old David Schwimmer um, as the second pick. Is is my favorite Northwestern alumnus. Okay. Uh this is tough. Oh, Craig's, Craig Sager. Uh, rest in peace, of course. He was a okay. he was a guy. I mean, we could do our own on um, on uh, broadcasters, journalists from there. Um, There's so many. Greeny. Didn't Greeny, uh, didn't Greeny go there? Yeah, I'm not picking him. Joe Girardi is another one. Trevor Simeon, which is hilarious. Okay. Uh, I mean, there's you, you guys can look it up, but those are... Just some some nice nice ones that you can remember, but just know that Abe Lincoln's one of his only son uh, to make it through adulthood. Northwestern guy. Yeah, um, and we got one pick left. Is that we're going yeah, three yeah, today? One, yep. Um, hmm. there's a few here. I I can have my least. I can have a least favorite. I, my least favorite is probably Stephen Colbert at this point for okay. a multitude of reasons. Yeah. Um, 
who Big Joe, my my dad was actually on his show one time, so that's funny. Really? Um, we'll go uh, Zoe Deschanel. I'll go her as my third pick. She's um in uh who's that girl or whatever? What's that show called? Hey, what's that show called? New Girl. Yeah. Who's New Girl. girl? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, she's also in Yes Man with Jim Carrey. So, okay, that's where we know her from. Uh, uh, this is the lowest hanging fruit, but Hugh Hefner. Um, he was okay. a, he was. I was going to leave that one for you. Who um, <laughs> transformed the world? Men's rights advocate. <laughs> yeah, but. It was a Northwest film, of course. Um, what uh, what other games are you looking forward to before we wrap up here this weekend uh, for the college football landscape? Before yeah, Penn State um, it's a good question. Um, I, d- I mean, A and M uh, has a tough game on the road as a dog at Mississippi State on uh, on Saturday, same time the Penn State's playing, roughly. Um, and yeah, so I, I would say that that's a game I'm looking forward to. Uh, Michigan is at Iowa. Mich- yeah, that's uh, Iowa has won. Kick. Yeah, it, it's one here, one one year there. Yeah, well, actually, eleven here. It's it's the other way, Mike. Um, so we're we're back. We're actually back in time. So everything that goes on there, I know what happens. You know, an hour later. So, um, but yeah, Michigan's at Iowa. Yes, I was one five of six in the top five teams at home. Um, this is where um, most, that. if not, yeah, most of not all of those games have been at night. Um, Kinnick is just a different place at that time. Um, and I do think that night games matter out there um, rather than an 11 a.m. start. Um, and so you can thank Fox um, for ruining that atmosphere as well. Like they'll ruin the Penn State, Ohio State atmosphere in a month. And I won't be apologetic about that. Um, Alabama and Arkansas. Looks like a very, very interesting game to me. Um, Arkansas just lost um, on, on what uh, you know, a lot of those at AM are calling the oink doink. Uh, yeah. they, they missed a, a game winning field goal off the top of the upright. It was almost like a trick shot. Um, and so they got, the, they're in back against the wall mode here. Um, they're a 15 point dog at home against Alabama at 330 on CBS. And I think that Arkansas is going to um, push them. Uh, the last time Alabama was on the road, it was not a great showing. Um, for Alabama at Texas. And then the last game I'd mentioned, um, potentially in the midst of a of a driving rainstorm will be number 10 NC State at number five Clemson at 630. Clemson survived a double overtime shootout against Wake Forest last week. So um, we, we will see. But they're, they're, it's a good slate of games this Saturday. Ole Miss, Kentucky. Yeah, there you go. I was leaving that one for you there. <laughs> there, brother. The fighting Lane Kiffins, our boy. To be in Oxford this weekend. That's all I can say. We got Lane Kiven and we got our boy Will Levis on the other yeah, side. So it's, it's a an interesting game. game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh guys, thanks for listening. Uh drop your um drop your score predictions down below as well as first touchdown. Uh if someone gets the first touchdown, we'll we'll announce it on the next show. And um we'll give some kind of protocol giveaway. Uh, of course, uh, not the actual one. We're not we're not advocating drinking alcohol. We'll send you a wristband or a sticker or something if you're able to get the first touchdown. But uh, Garrett, thanks for joining me as always. Guys, thanks for listening. Yeah, Mike. Yep, take care.